Hi, everyone. We're nearly at the end of the year 2021. And for everyone, it's a moment to look back at the good and the bad experience of the last year and to reflect on the future. And we'll do so uh, in the Planet podcast as well. Today, Alistair Doyle and I will look back at the last year. And it's in precisely a week from now, on Thursday, January 6th, at exactly the same time as now, a few minutes past nine, um, we will nine in Europe, that is, and that is 3 uh, p.m. Eastern time, and that is noon in the Pacific uh, time zone. Uh, we will then look at the main stories to follow on climate, nature, and environment in 2022. So for this evening, we are looking back, and next week, we are going to look forward. The regular listeners will remember our co-host for today, Alistair Doyle. Um, he's the writer of The Great Melt. And I fear that uh, the great melting of the ice sheets is one of the stories of 2021. And it will probably remain one of the stories to watch for 2022. Um, Alistair, welcome back to the podcast and thank you for co-hosting today. Uh, first time you were um, someone to interview and then we uh, decided that it was actually a very good idea to uh, ask you sometimes to be a co-host and that's what we're doing here for the first time tonight um the, the the great melting of the ice sheets is that indeed the biggest climate story of the year wow well the the biggest there's quite a lot of competition here isn't there the, you know the united states rejoined the paris agreement we had the the glasgow summit that was a little bit more than blah 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 we've had an awful lot of other things that we'll come back to but uh, like you say alex the the melting uh, around the world of the ice sheets is one of these huge stories. I mean, back in the back in the um, back in the back in the summer, we heard that it rained on the top of the Greenland ice shelf for the first time in in recorded history. It's more than three thousand meters high. It's meant to be snowing up there all the time, isn't it? And then the, the one you're referring to there is the Thwaites which is this enormous glacier down in Antarctica, which is sometimes called the Doomsday Glacier, um, which is it's the size of Florida or the Great Britain. And uh, the scientists discovered that there's a, there are fractures in it that could lead to it shattering like a windshield, they say. Um, and um, this could lead to the ice inland in Antarctica flowing much, much faster towards the sea. And this isn't just something that's happening at the ends of the world. This is this is raising sea levels um, around the world, and you know this this may not this you know that's it's main it didn't get the big headlines as it, perhaps it should have done. But maybe if we look back in the year 2050 and ask what were the big stories of 2021, uh, this might be this might be if the if the Thwaites uh, does shatter as some of these scientists are saying it might do. Um, that that will be one of the big, that will be the biggest story of this year potentially. Um, yeah, you you yeah. wrote very perceptively about it about how you know politicians didn't really get into this. Yeah, and it's it's typically something I I've quite often referred to in the past year when I when I write the Planet newsletter that I speak about historians in a hundred years from now how they will look back. At, at us, at our decisions or the lack of decisions that we took in these years. And I think this is, this is a typical news story that will be huge later on. Um, 
Um, it's a bit like in 1914 when uh, the Archduke uh, French uh, uh, Franz Ferdinand was 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 murdered in Sarajevo by by Prince that the newspapers didn't pay much attention to it. Of course, it was a murder and it, it hit the headlines, but the days after, the people didn't really pay attention, etc. And now, 100 years later, any book you open on, 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 on the Great War, on the First World War, it starts with the, the, the murder of, of Franz Ferdinand in, in, in the summer of, of, uh, of 1914. And it, something that is now a relatively small news item may later uh, become really the biggest news. And, and yeah, I, I think I'm with you here that this is potentially the biggest uh, news of the year. I, I, I think we could add another one. I think it's the, the lack of, um, uh, of dramatic decision-taking in a positive sense uh, at, at COP26, really taking positive decisions to really change the, the, the way that we structure the world um, rapidly and decisively, uh, that may later also be seen as, um, as a critical moment in the history of the world. Because before COP26, the newspapers wrote about this is uh, maybe the last conference in the world that can save us. And nobody referred to it afterwards, after the blah, blah, uh, that, uh, that this is so dramatic that not, not many decisions have been taken. How do you see it? Was it a complete disaster or did we gain anything there? I think it probably did a little bit more than blah, 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 but um, not really. It wasn't a turning point for humanity as Boris Johnson, the British Prime Minister, had once said it would be. And it didn't consign coal to history as the president of the cop alex sharma once said it might do you know there were there were it was billed as this enormous moment we we had the paris agreement back in 2015 when pretty much every country on the planet uh, except nicaragua i think and uh, and uh, syria at the time signed up for it to, to limit greenhouse gas emissions and this this was the first opportunity five years later or, or six years later of course because COVID made, made it impossible to have the conference last year. It was meant to be the time when countries were meant to come back and to strengthen their plans for cutting greenhouse gas emissions. And now a lot of them did, have come back in the interim, but they've come back and they've sort of said, yeah, we'll, we'll achieve net zero emissions by 2050. But they haven't joined up the dots to say, well, if we're going to have net zero emissions by 2050, we're really going to have to do something serious by uh, within my term of office you know, uh, for politicians by 2030. So there, there were some things that came out of, of, of the COP that, you know, there was a mention of fossil fuels for the first time in the in the declaration, which of course is a, um, you'd think that fossil fuels have been mentioned all over the place in these UN documents for years. But in fact, um, the Paris Agreement only talks about, um, only talks about greenhouse gases, doesn't it? And there was a mention of coal in the final document um, from Glasgow, which talked about phasing down coal, which again was watered down from the the original text, which said they would f start phasing it out, phasing out uh, efforts to, to phase out coal. Um, India and China objected to that language, so they went to phasing down. Um, so, you know, there were positive things that came out of it in the sense that 
um, the, the goal of uh, limiting global warming to 1.5 degrees is pretty much is more strongly enshrined in the text now. Um, that's the toughest goal of the set in the Paris Agreement. The main text there talks of um, limiting global warming to well below two degrees Celsius above pre-industrial times. We're already at 1.1, so we're not doing very well, are we? I think you know, the, and this first mention of you know fossil fuels and coal, um, you know, painting that as a big breakthrough when everybody knows that's the problem is is a bit odd. Um, you had an interesting. Uh, Italian metaphor for that, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yes, when, when we were talking without, uh, um, uh, without uh, the public present, uh, yes, I, 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 we spoke about it's like Italian crime fighters negotiating for 25 years and they've never ever mentioned the word mafia. Um, that is uh, that is a bit the analogy here that they finally mentioned coal and then even watered it down. And you mentioned there are two countries, uh, India and China, and that is of course uh, we really do our best in the West, and we should because per capita we are still uh, the biggest emitters, and we are historically the biggest emitters. But at the end of the day, if you look at how the how we are changing the atmosphere, then I think the uh, total emissions of China are now equal to all the OECD countries. So what what China will do, and 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 also India, which is growing fast and, and has more than a billion people, uh, what those two countries will do is absolutely essential for for the future of the planet. And uh, them promises of of net zero by 2060, and I think for India 2070. I'm saying mm. on top of my head, um, that is of course way too far away. We have a window of 10 years, and there was a window that started a year ago. We have a window of nine years uh, to really drastically take measures and 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 half the emissions. And it all signals are. On the rat saying that we're not going to 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 make it. Um, on the other hand, there is of course a lot happening. And anybody I speak from uh, speak to nowadays that is active in the business community, uh, practically without exception, uh, sustainability is on top of their mind. And uh, often I I hear uh, businesses complain that they want to go faster, but that that the governments are not going fast enough. Which is an interesting development because it was only five years ago that, except for a few um, uh, very very positive examples from from the business community, uh, it was it was governments pushing a little bit, and 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 businesses were kind of kind of dragging their heels in the sand. But that seems to be changing now. So I hope that uh, that their influence on governments. Uh, which is huge, of course, will also be used in in, in a positive way. There, um, if we if we look at the climate stories of this year, because we are looking back at two thousand twenty one, uh, I think we've we've had a, a year full of disasters. I've I've just if I just look at my own Twitter account, all the tweets I sent out about forest fires and and, and floods, etc. There's been so much. Was was this a particularly bad year? Was it was it worse than the other years? Do you do you have any data on that? I don't know. I saw the the World Meteorological Organization, the UN's weather agency put out a provisional statement about the climate a while ago. Where it, where it says that this won't be one of the 
very warmest years on record. It'll be between five and seven, I think. But the, the seven warmest years have all been in the last seven years. So what happened in the Pacific this year was that there was a, a La Nina, which cools the Pacific, um, the surface of the Pacific. But, you know, like you're saying, there, there, are, there are the most terrible disasters happening um, locally. You know, uh, as we mentioned, you know, there's been a, there was, um, it was 19, it was 67 Fahrenheit in Alaska last week. Yeah. Um, or uh, no, just a few days ago, wasn't it? Which is the record yeah. for December. Um, you had that heat dome over Western Canada. Um, you have, as you know, this as I always go back to Antarctica, the the rate of glaciers flowing into the sea is getting ever faster, and there's this feeling that you know these are like bottles of wine on their side. You know, you pull out the cork from the glacier, and all the ice that's pent up in the ice sheet behind will start flowing into it so any signs of uh, things going wrong there are, are, are very worrying of course um yeah and uh, as you said there's been a lot, all sorts of other disasters around the world um, there's hurricane ida which 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 killed nearly 100 people and uh uh i looked i looked up the economic losses they're estimated to be 65 billion dollars and then we're only talking about hurricane ida and uh, we had one that was was came close, which which was uh, more than forty billion dollars was the the flooding here in Germany and, and and Belgium and France and a few other countries, but mainly Germany and Belgium. I think this this these these pictures of devastating flooding taking place, which is something that uh, in in the U.S. you can say you know that there's like there is a hurricane season. But this kind of flooding in Europe is something we're we're just not used to. We've seen some flooding in the past, but at this scale, in in so many countries, so massively with so much dis- destruction, that is that is something new. And um, yeah, and it's 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 huge. And then there's the other kind of disasters that we we never hear about. Those those massive disasters in in the non-Western countries. That hardly hardly get to front pages in in, in the media. There was in, uh, a flooding in South Sudan, uh, which displaced nearly a million people, and probably most people listening today have never even heard of it because it just doesn't make the news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, th- I think maybe what's happening here is you mentioned the way that businesses are getting more um, getting ahead of governments in many ways. Here, I think that what we're seeing also is that. Um, the public around the world are getting so much more aware of these things happening. You know, it's it's on your doorstep. It really is now. Um, um, well, you live in you live in the Netherlands. Some of the you're from the Netherlands, so you know about the the sea level rise. But you know, the storms that are that are being whipped up um, are causing ever more destruction, aren't they? And um, there was a study in one of the um, uh, today or yesterday rather saying saying that hurricanes may be changing their paths to become more destructive in further away from the further away from the from the tropics you know that uh, in the atlantic hurricanes could sort of come up to new york boston area or up to spain you see the tracks i was looking at the study you see tracks of hurricanes that they normally form off africa and go west across to the caribbean and up to the states but some of them are turning back and coming back towards Europe. They generally peter out when they get towards Spain. But, um, you know, these are cyclones, um, typhoons in, in the Pacific. 
which um, which are becoming you know snaking away from the from the equator ever further away and becoming more destructive. And I think people are getting more aware of this, aren't they? And their everyday lives are seeing, they're reading about this in their everyday lives. And I think that's a good point of pressure also on governments to to do something. Um, you know, one of the decisions from uh, from um, Glasgow was to come back. The countries have to come back next year at the next meeting in 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 Egypt. It's kicking the ball down the road, but still, they're going to have to come back next year with some better plans. Is the idea? Yeah, yeah, and I think what you just mentioned is 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 very much true that people see it more now. Five years ago, you could see climate change, but you had to look for it. Now it's just. You know, you can't ignore it anymore. It's it's all around you. It's any newspaper you open. It's uh, people sitting next to you in a bus are talking about climate change, and and those are those are developments that I didn't see five years ago, and certainly not ten years ago. So so people realize it more, and then it might be higher on 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 the political agenda. Yeah, and uh, there was um, a Pew that did research in the U.S. and they said that. Um, two-thirds of the American adults, the U.S. adults, say that extreme weather events across the country have been occurring now more often than in the past. And there was only 4% that said that they are happening less often. So that is uh, that was the survey last, last September. So that is... So basically, all Americans see that that extreme weather events are occurring much more often uh, than some are maybe still debating the cause of it. Uh, but even that, the 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 complete flat out denial of climate change is something that you don't see so much anymore. It is yeah. it, it, it 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 has become more subtle. But the story that. Um, that was just just the previous president was saying it's it's a Chinese hoax. You don't hear anybody saying that anymore. Not even the the, the, the most extreme Trump supporter is speaking publicly about a hoax anymore. Indeed, yeah. I mean, it, there's been a lot of false dawns about um, climate denialism, hasn't there? And, and I remember being at the Paris um, Climate Summit when I was working as at Reuters as the environment correspondent there. Um, you know the, the skeptics, the, the climate skeptics from the United States were were barred from entering the venue there. They weren't given accreditation, so we had to. Uh, one of my colleagues went down to Central Paris, where they gave a news conference in one of the hotels there. And these people were sort of seen at the time as being just so fringe, marginal. We can forget these people, uh, and yet they ended up in the in the the. Some of them ended up advising the Trump administration when when they came to power. So. Um, I think you're dead right that um, the, the skepticism has moved on. But you know, if if uh, a, a climate skeptical president, if Donald Trump gets reelected and decides to leave the Paris Agreement again, um, I wonder, I wonder whether he would do that. Um, there's another problem there that the it took him four years to leave the Paris Agreement because of the way the deal is structured. You had to wait three years from when it entered into force. But but now that that's gone. He could, the United States or any country, if they wanted to, could could decide to leave and leave within one year. Yeah. Um, but but I don't know. Do you think that that's? I mean, no other country followed the United States in, in leaving the. Yeah. The, well, less less the countries follow the United States anyway when uh, when Trump is in power and and with the 
the fading of the quality of democracy in the U.S. by by all these uh, changes in, in in state laws for elections, uh, it's it's going to be uh, it's, it's it's going to be a very scary time. That uh, there's there's a good risk that um, in the next presidential elections, the majority of the population. Uh, will vote for uh, for the de- Democratic candidate, but that still the Republican candidate will become president. Um, so there's, there's uh, I think the democracy in the US is under threat and it doesn't get enough, enough attention in the press. Uh, it's, it's uh, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised how little people talk about uh, all these um, changes that have been, I think it's 19 states now that have, have made these changes which are so utterly undemocratic, and um, so we we have we have a lot of challenges at the moment. So democracy is under threat. Climate change is scary. Uh, there's the, the the loss of biodiversity at the moment. We have increasing pollution. Uh, we have a geopolitical situation that is that is much less stable than than we were used to since uh, let's say the 1990s. Um, and on top of that, we have COVID. We didn't even mention COVID. How can we talk about, how can we look back at this year without talking about Delta and Omicron and, and, and the anti-vaxxers? Yeah, it's, um, it's been a year of total disruptions, hasn't it? I mean, it, it looked like a couple of years ago that maybe climate change and the environment would suddenly become one of the big, big rallying points for humanity. After the Paris Agreement, you know, we've also we were also this year meant to have a, a big biodiversity conference in in China, which has now been put off to, to next year, where people will be setting new targets for biodiversity. But you're you're right, we've all gone off the rails and um, and necessarily, you know, um, trying to trying to combat uh, COVID and get through this this immediate crisis while ignoring this this other crisis of um, climate change and the the decline of, of the planet um you know the, the united nations told us didn't they last year i think that we have to halve our emissions by 2030 from um 45 percent cut in emissions by 2030 from 2010 levels to get on track for um for to, to limit temperatures to 1.5 to avoid the worst of climate change and yeah, they went down last year because of because COVID shut down the economy around the world. But they're bouncing back, um, which is putting it even more out of reach. Um, and in the United States, of course, you you know Joe Biden set off well with the goal of halving U.S. emissions this decade by by fifty percent. But he's run into all sorts of political problems mixed up with all this um, partisan politics, hasn't he? With um, with the anti-vaxxers, the, the, the Delta, um, just the, the partisan divides, and and, and indeed the, the splits within his own party. Um, yeah. He got through the, the infrastructure bill, the bipartisan, with bipartisan support, um, which will build more roads and bridges and things, but we're still waiting for the Build Back Better um, project, aren't we, with um, Joe Manchin holding out in West Virginia. I don't know, what do you, yeah. do you think that's going to sort itself out? I, I can't predict, but I think the signals are extremely negative because first they, they the original bill had to be split in two, and then uh, they 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 passed the 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 real bare necessity part in in the first one, and the second one that included climate uh, was then 
uh, as 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 a real a bomb exploded more or less when when uh, when when Joe mentioned that uh, that he would uh, he would not support it. Um, I I have no idea if yeah I think there were some small positive rumors the last thing I followed on this on this news story but. Uh, in, in general, it looks extremely negative. And if I think now about the beginning of the year, the optimism that was felt around the world when when the Trump era seemed to have ended, and um, uh, and, and then Joe Biden took over, and there was there were so much positive sounds by by, by John Kerry about you know in in. in Saying we're in a very humble position now, but we will do everything we can, and we will really try. and And you just know that without the United States, you will never get there. With the United States, it's still an extremely difficult exercise. Uh, but but we need to have them on board. And now that that they are in in such difficult situations, and then getting uh, the midterm elections next year might might change the political climate even even further next year. Um, yeah. I, I think that is, yeah. That, there's a lot of a lot of things to be to be deeply worried about, and uh, and I, I, uh, what I fear is that at a certain moment we get so many problems all coming at us at the same time, and they all influence each other. You already see how the the, the, the less biodiversity ultimately impacts that we get more pandemics and that we're now focusing so much on the pandemic that there's not even time to focus on other issues like climate change. Uh, we see government, uh, we, we, the, 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 the quality of government worldwide is, is something that I'm quite critical about. And all those things together, it is just so much and it's all impacting each other. I think that's, that's uh, scary. But um, I, I'm afraid that at a certain moment we're going to stop here. And then uh, we, uh, we, we haven't discussed about anything positive because yeah. Strangely, if I look at my own life in the past year, um, it's been isolated. I've missed a lot of friends. I missed travel. I like traveling. I like going to conferences, etc. And I missed all that. But I have a lot of positive memories of the past year as well. And, and probably many listeners have that too. So it's, it's, there's on the one hand this, this, this macro level you can think about. But if you just think at the individual level, uh, there's mm-hmm. a lot of positive things. How, how was that for you? Did, you? did you have a good year? Yeah, it's been good, actually. I mean, I, like we've discussed, I wrote this book. I was in lockdown. I was sitting at home. I had nowhere to go. I had to do it on my own. People were incredibly generous with my with their time in talking to me, which was which was just brilliant. But also, just as a, I live in Oslo in Norway, where it's been really cold the last few days. Um, so just going out, just going out the other day, we saw there was ice on the fjord. It's not quite thick enough yet for, for us to go skating, but um, we give it a few more days. If it doesn't get too warm in the next few days, and we'll be able to go skate skating on this on the sea, which <laughs> is quite an amazing thing i mean we can go skating now on on the on a lake nearby which is just up the hill from here where i go most days i've been watching people up there skating i haven't got my skates on yet since a couple of years ago i um <laughs> fell over and cracked a rib so i'm uh, <laughs> getting a bit bit more worried about that but I, I do love i do love getting out in this in the snow and we've got yeah. quite a lot of it here and I you've got, been you've been, yeah i got to- Good, good memories of Oslo. I was there two years ago on 10, on on 11 December, so the day after 
the Nobel Prize ceremony, um, which where where I was present in um, in Stockholm. But then, at the same day, there's always the, the Nobel Peace Prize uh, is the one that they give in Oslo, and then the day after, so on 11 December. Uh, there was uh, some kind of big climate event where I was uh, a speaker, and um, uh, that uh, so that, that brought me there. I saw the ice on the water at that moment too, and uh, and I saw Al Gore, which is always a nice photo opportunity to put on social media, of course. <laughs> and Catherine Hayhoe was there, and there were a lot of other speakers. It was uh, it was uh, it was fun to join. That was my last time in um, in Oslo, one of my last mm. trips I I actually made. And uh, I remember your your um, uh, on Twitter your pinned tweet is this uh, trip that you made to this glacier. Can you can you tell <laughs> right. the listeners what you were doing there with that bucket of water? That's right. That's right. With the help of um, Andy Shepherd, who's a professor of glaciology in the UK, um, for this book I'm writing about the Great Melt, I wanted to try and put it into personal terms about how long, how much water it represents. So I managed to get my wife and our daughter to come over um, to West Norway, where I found a glacier that is only 600 meters above sea level. And we dipped a bucket, I dipped a bucket of water in the fjord, and we carried this water up while they filmed me doing it um, here and there. You know, it's only about a minute and a half long, carrying this bucket up to the glacier where we we just left the bucket on the glacier and said, well, that's a personal contribution to stopping um, the great melt that's filling up the seas. It could be a meter by the end of this century. But at the rate we're doing at the moment, everybody on the planet, 8 billion people would have to do that every hour of every day of every week of every month of every year at current rates of loss of ice from the land so you know it's 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 like a i don't know it's like quixotic sort of uh, so so if we want to keep sea level at the level that it is now every person on the planet should every hour carry a full bucket of water up to the top of a glacier and then throw it on there and let it melt again (laughs) that would be uh, wow that is (laughs) it's quite impractical but it, it does give an indication how much how much we're actually talking it's, about. It's not very practical, is it? But there are there are some scientists who do seriously um, suggest pumping water up onto Antarctica, deep up into Antarctica, where it would refreeze. Of course, the energy involved in just doing that, and the you know the amount of um, piping you'd have to have is just crazy. So, you know, the message from all of these experiments is just cut the greenhouse gas emissions, guys. <laughs> just get yeah, on with it. Yeah. Yeah, and probably you can, the energy that you will need to pump up that water if you use fossil fuels for that, we, we make the situation <laughs> only worse, of course. And, and you've been doing stuff in the Netherlands too in the summer and you've been writing about a whole extraordinary Yeah, I, I was stuck themes. in the Netherlands much much longer than I planned to. I was I was planning to be here for like like six weeks or eight weeks or something, but then I had something coming up in Geneva and I tried to fly as little as possible. So I decided to stay much longer. I was altogether, I lived here for like four months. And it, it was of course the, the quiet Netherlands in the kind of, well, we didn't, don't have lockdown, but it, it was, everything is a bit different. You don't meet your friends as much as in the past. So I lived quite isolated on this island in the Southwest, enjoying nature. And I, I started writing this, uh, this newsletter, the planet, 
And uh, I wrote a lot about uh, the history of the islands, the nature here, and I, I've got wonderful memories of living here those four months and getting getting up early in the morning and then cycling to the beach and, and swimming and then um, photographing uh, jellyfish on that are washed on the beach and then reading about jellyfish and then in the afternoon writing articles about it. Uh, and then, you know, people calling up uh, whether I can appear in a podcast or something to talk about jellyfish, <laughs> which makes you a jellyfish um, expert in uh, in a few hours. And um, yeah, so that was, that was an amazing time. So it's, yeah, so in this year full of, uh, yeah, b- bad news about climate, about nature, and a lot of things that we should be seriously worried about, I, I nearly feel guilty of having had a good time. Uh, spending lots of time in nature. Also in Canada, I went to Algonquin Park, uh, which is the biggest national park in Ontario, to to go hiking there for a few days. Um, I did quite a few long walks in the Netherlands. Um, So it's a different life than it used to be, which was much more social, much more travel, um, and much more about meeting people. Um, But this is... um, this is a good life too. So although I hate the pandemic and I really hope that it will soon go over and, and, um, uh, and I'm doubtful whether that will be soon. Um, for me personally, it has actually been uh, quite, quite a beautiful year. And there's also yeah. been, uh, there's also a lot of positive news. I mean, we've been focusing in the, in the first part that we were talking about was, uh, yeah, we focused on that negative news, but, um, there's there's good news as well on on the global level. So, for instance, yeah. uh, the ozone layer is uh, is healing. That's positive news. That shows that if we decide on an international treaty and we really get everybody on board and we're all going for it, that we can actually repair the damage that that we have done to the planet. And I think this is a, a beautiful example. So that's positive news of this year. Yeah. And there's a lot of other positive news too, isn't there? Like um, renewable energy generation has been hitting all-time highs as well. Um, Although, of course, there's a flip side to that is that coal was also at a record high this year. But still, you know, renewable energies, wind and solar power are really um, booming at the moment. Um, And and, uh, wind solar power has plunged in value in, in price, hasn't it? It's cheaper than coal in many jurisdictions. Yeah, um, you know the the you know the Glasgow COP did give a push to getting beyond coal. Quite a lot of countries have signed up for that, and quite a lot of countries are now joining up for this other um, beyond oil and gas. You know, so this is all positive. We're, we are phasing about phasing out fossil fuels. The, the the Danes and the Costa Ricans spearheaded this one beyond oil and gas. I live in Norway, which is the biggest <laughs> producer in Western Europe, and they're not going to be signing up anytime soon. <laughs> Yeah, but, yeah, and I think globally, it's it's more than ninety percent of new electricity generating capacity that that uh, that is projected to come from renewables in the next five years. So that is that is amazing. So you see, like Abu Dhabi that you just mentioned, for their own electricity, they rely now on on huge investments on solar. Um, in such a way that they actually drove the price down on, on, on solar panels by, by taking that decision, what is now two years ago or something. 
and that's a country that literally sits on top of the oil. So it, it, they don't even have to transport it. They can just they can just burn what they live on. But they they still pump it. They still sell it. Of course, it's still still the major base of their their economy, at least in um, in Abu Dhabi. Not so much in Dubai. Um, but 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 they invest in solar panels as well. So yeah, that's clearly a positive story. Um, and um, yeah, and that's. I, I I think people are also in the creative industry. You see that yeah. that that people are giving more attention to climate change now, and I think that that's a good trend too. Yeah, and you, I mean, I mean, sport as well. I went to a news conference in Glasgow. It was about you know the Premier League in the UK, the soccer um, planning to become uh, zero emissions, and the music industry, as you mentioned too. Um, moving towards uh, zero emissions um, um, across society. Everybody's setting these goals of net zero by 2050 and, and in many cases for companies by 2040 or 2030. These are amazing targets if we if we achieve them. Um, of course, you've got to be very clear about what the target involves, don't we? Um, but it's it's really positive news. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think any... So many companies are are, are are getting active now. So, of, of course, as an activist, you always claim that they're not doing enough. But I think there's a lot of positive uh, positive news now. And the music industry, the, the first one I'm thinking of is Coldplay, that, that I remember as the first band really stepping up and uh, saying that they will do uh, a 50% cut uh, in, in their emissions in their next world tour. And, and that is interesting not that their emissions in itself which are actually quite high but but they are of course on a worldwide scale not so much but these kind of bands have a lot of fans and when they when they start to 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 bring this into the conversation that changes a lot and when i think about my own use you know when when growing up and in my high school days the music I listened to and the messages in, in that, that that was given by anybody from 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 Bob Dylan to all kinds of other singers that influenced the the way that you saw you know the the, the problems and the planet and 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 everything and I think that is uh, something that has been lacking for a long time. I think artists have been generally late in embracing. The planetary problems, but there's in in the past few years, it is it is rapidly stepping up, and that's uh, that's positive. I think the latest yeah. one where artists are stepping up is is uh, Don't Look Up. Have, have you seen it already? The the movie <laughs> that came out. It's on Netflix. I did, I did watch it the other day. Yeah, have you seen it? I've seen, I've seen, I saw it yesterday. I saw yeah. I, I, mean, I Leonardo thought it was brilliant. Yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio has been you know attending conference cops for for many years hasn't he he's been a, a leading light in telling us to to sort out the planet and to cut our emissions so so yeah um uh it's uh, as if, as it's quite fun as a parody on climate change denial and denial of denial of science isn't it i suspect there are some scientists out there who 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 feel this is the way they're treated aren't they they're warning of the the end of <laughs> this existential threat we're facing from climate change and they're not being listened to but <laughs> I, 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 if, if an asteroid is headed towards the earth i wonder if they would be quite so blithe about it you know meryl streep is the president and <laughs> kind of laughs it off doesn't she yeah 
Yeah, she does. She does. Yeah. Then at the end, at the end, they they are escaping with their rocket. There's so much in it of the news of the last year of <laughs> yes. of of all these, you know, the the Jeff Bezos types and Elon Musk types of the world <laughs> that that all are building their own rockets, etc. And and you can't escape the mass of this planet that that they play a role in, and they should take their responsibility here instead of doing tourism out of space. Uh, and uh, so the, I, I thought the very last scene of the of, of the movie was also extremely funny. So I've, <laughs> yes. I've I've enjoyed it, but it's also a sobering story of of everything that is taking place on this planet at the moment. It's so much. It's it's uh, there was a lot of bad governance in it, and I think the politicians really have to take their responsibility. And this is, of course, typically the example of politicians not taking their responsibility. Yeah, how do you get anybody to listen if you've got a, a world, a planet-ending message to give to people? <laughs> you know, it's it's in a way what we're talking about here is, you know, the IPCC, the the UN panel of climate change came out on intergovernmental panel on climate change came out in August with this report that was called Code Red for Humanity, um, which is pretty much like an asteroid is heading towards us um, in the next years if we don't do something about it. You know, the, the, it warns in one graph that sea levels could rise. You cannot rule out the idea that sea levels could rise 15 meters by the year 2300, which yes. would really swamp a lot of the coasts, wouldn't it? Um, it would, the, the, the coasts would be unrecognizable in many places. and um, Certainly uh, here. Yeah, I have sympathy with the, the makers of um, "Don't Look Up." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they got lot. They 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 can follow. They can make another ten movies like this. I'm sure. Um, there's enough material to to make fun about. Yeah, and um, yeah, those numbers are scary. Uh, if if you have, let's say, something like five or eight meters in 2300, or an extreme like 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 15, but but even just you know if, even just two or three meters is already so devastating. Well, your yeah. your book, uh, the 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 Great Melt, is 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 all about that, uh, of course. And yeah. Um, yeah, and then I think on on. Yeah, I'm, I mentioned positive news and and and, and thinking about uh, artists. I think there's also from nature there were also positive uh, messages. I, w- I was thinking about bef- before starting uh, the, the podcast for for tonight. I thought about what I was writing about. One of the things I wrote about recently was this albatross called Wisdom, who, that is the oldest known wild bird in the world. And I just saw the news a couple of days ago that. Uh, wisdom who'd been away at uh, on over the oceans for a long time has now returned uh, to midway and um, and is doing well um, so uh, that is the kind of you know positive nature news uh, kind of items that I like to read about or the one that giant pandas are no longer endangered uh, yes. they're still vulnerable but no longer endangered so there's um, there's all these kind of smaller positive news items, and I I try to to focus on those just to keep myself sane, and therefore I often write about these kinds of things. Although I know that in the bigger the bigger picture of things, they they may not be the most relevant, but at least they give they give me a lot of hope. Yeah, I love that story about wisdom, the the albatross who's been I don't know she's 
probably in her 70, late 60s, I guess, early 70s, maybe. Yeah, I think you know? they know now for sure that she's 70, but they didn't know her 70. age when they put a ring around her, uh, her, her foot. But yes. um, that was, uh, they estimated then that uh, she was five years old. So now she should be, uh, she, she should be 70. And she was last year, she became a mother again for the, Dozens time or something. <laughs> you just, I just wondered how her Christmas was. You know, she, she's if she invites back all her kids and her grandkids and her great grandkids, you know, around the nest, and she says, "Hey, hey, my," you know, one of them says, "Hey, great granny," and great granny yeah. says, "Hey, can you look after my new baby, please?" <laughs> I, I think there was one of her children that they actually marked and and recognized that came back extremely close to the nest where this one was born. I remember reading something about it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think there's something like 30 or 40 children that, um, that she raised um, in her lifetime, which is, which is an amazing feat. Yeah. And I love um, that story because it's also saying, you know, maybe a lot of these albatrosses of that age as well, you know, who knows? They may be, you know, there may be other ones out there who are just as old as them, maybe even older. Yeah. Yeah, likely they are. Of course, they're not. All of them are. Uh, what, what's the word in English? Marked. Tagged, with a, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. So so uh, probably there are, and there's. Uh, but there's older animals. There's this uh, um, this huge turtle or tortoise. You should maybe say uh, living on Saint Helena. That that was born around um, 1830 or something, just after Napoleon died. That's mm. still walking around. Um, but for a bird, this is said to be the oldest bird. So I think that was a positive news story of last year, and I hope that um, that there'll be more news about um, this particular bird uh, in 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 the next year. And yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, a mix of bad news and and um, and and good news, um, and 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 a mix between what you experience personally in your in your own life and what the big stories in the newspapers are and i think that's um that kind of sums up uh, this year um yeah is there anything too. else when you think about looking at at the past year that we should still mention in in, in this one I think uh, you've done a great job there. You should, your your newsletter is brilliant. I recommend it to anybody, to, to everybody to read it. It's such a variety of um, information about the Netherlands and traditions there and uh, a great overview of the planet and what's going right and wrong with it. And these, uh, I agree with you, these little sort of niches of stories about um, things that are discovered, you know, from the pandas to the, to the albatrosses. Um, you know the the other big climates the other big stories i don't know that we've had um are we saving biodiversity enough are we doing enough to clean the oceans up from plastics um these are also stories that have been bubbling along haven't they but i think you know i think you've you've covered the we've covered the main bases here haven't we yeah i i i've tried in those newsletters to to have a variety of um uh, sometimes the serious stories I've written about the forest fires and, and sea level rise and plastic pollution and invasive species and, and COP26 and, and a lot of climate change things. But I've, I've tried to, to mix the message also 
with the beauty of the planet, and that can be the beauty of nature. I've written a lot about animals, about the cicadas and uh, this uh, brute uh, tan that came out, and about the hummingbirds and uh, about uh, whales and the Tasman devils that are the first ones back on on mainland Australia. And I wrote about the monarch butterfly and koalas, and so there were there were all kinds of I think polar bears as well. So there was a lot of stuff about animals and. Um, and yeah, and, and, and personal things that I just read about or that I find interesting to share. Last month was a bit low because I, I just simply, I simply didn't have enough time to write so things in, in my own life, my travel and there's health and there's, um, uh, things like starting the podcast. So it's, uh, there's the production is a bit lower now and I'll pick up again in, uh, in January and look forward to that. So yeah, and that brings us to the next year. I think we'll be back, uh, exactly. In a week from now, uh, nine o'clock uh, on Thursday evening, nine o'clock in Europe. So that is three o'clock in um, uh, in New York, and that is uh, at noon in the uh, in in California. Um, and all kinds of other time zones, wherever people will be listening, somewhere else in the world. And uh, then we see each other back. So that is sixth January. I hope that the people that listen now. Um, enjoyed uh, uh, and, and enjoyed it today, and I hope that they will be back. And um, and I would already like to thank the people that uh, will listen to the uh, to the podcast, and I would like to thank you, Alistair, because it's it's great fun to do this together with you. And, thank um, you, Alex. Yeah, I've a, so I've had a great time. It's really wonderful having got to know you a bit, and to, you you know you were kind enough to invite me on the podcast a few weeks ago to talk about my book and this is this has been a blast it's really yeah. great to, to hear your views about so many to dip into so many so many things that have happened in 2021 it's been quite a year hasn't it yeah it's been so thank it's, you it's been quite a year yeah and so will be 2022 so i look forward to look forward to 2022 together with you and uh, next week and yeah thank you thank you and thank everybody for listening and see you next week Thanks a lot. Thank okay. You.